Hello, my friends. Welcome back to the Naked Leadership Podcast. My name is Chad. This week, I'm joined by Adrian. He and I sit down and have a conversation about what it means to be a leader in the context of coaching. And in fact, every effective leader is in some way or another, or you could argue every effective leader is a coach. The same exact work that we do with executives and leaders, those leaders and executives have the opportunities to do with their teams and people. And that's the topic of today's conversation. I can't wait to dive in with you. Let's go. Adrian, how are you, brother? I'm um, good, man. How are you? It's, I'm great. So good to be with you. Yes, me too, man. So we're we're missing. There's a giant hole in this episode of the Naked Leadership Podcast. And when I say giant, I mean, those of you who have never seen Dan physically, it is a big hole. <laughs> yeah, my 17-year-old my was just in our last training, and he's numerous times said, you know why Dan's so smart? His head is huge. His head, it just you know, is so massive. I love Grant. Like his That's skull, so great. his skull is just so big. Yeah. Uh, so there's a voice missing. You all won't hear from Dan today on the podcast. Um, he was he's attending to other matters. Um, I think taking care of a client or something. But we yeah. we'll miss his uh, we'll miss his input obviously and his sage. Uh, wisdom and all that he adds to this conversation. So we're going to do our best. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. Dan's actually on a plane as we speak, headed down to do a five day intensive with a client down in Texas. So he'd love to be here, but we, we, we press on. So, but, we miss but he'd now. love to be in the room more, yeah. which he should. Yeah. Yes. Amen. <laughs> amen. Well, that's great. So uh, we're going to do our best. We're going to go after it. So today I wanted to talk about something that, that we have been talking a lot about recently, especially in the context of an event that we have coming up called Intrepid. And, and that's the idea that in leadership, really what we're, what's called out of us in, in effective leadership, we believe in effective leadership, what's being, what's being called out of us is a coaching mindset. Or, yeah. or being willing to be a coach, even coaching mindset makes it a little mysterious, a little uh, out there. But really this, this idea to be willing to be a coach, most people, so a conversation that comes up a lot for me and with my clients, and I know you've mentioned this, is like a lot of my clients just started a business because they wanted to start a business. They loved their product or they had something powerful to share with the world without a lot of thought about um who do I want to be as a leader? How do yeah. I want to lead people? And why would people follow me? Which yes. are all such essential parts to building something significant in the marketplace. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of kind of, oh shit moments for people. Once like, if you're talented, you're probably going to find your way into some success that might take a few iterations. But once you find yourself in success and then get more success, grow over time, the need to engage people in an effective way goes up. And most people don't do the math on that, let alone never 
thought about it or wanted even to get good at it. And where do I go? How many yeah. books do I have to listen to? That'll be interesting, but not, but even not that penetrating. Sure. Um, so yeah, there's a lot of those, like I, I call them oh shit moments when actually I'm running the company. I'm now in charge of this company that I even don't want to be in, or I've got all this team that I'd rather leave me alone. Like those types <laughs> of feelings. Like, why do they keep calling me? Like, why aren't they as smart as I am? Which is usually where that thought's coming from. Yeah. And what do I do in that, in that it's a crisis, really. It's, it is a crisis. And I don't, I mean, I, I don't think that's, that that's that hyperbolic either. It really is. It's a personal crisis of like, now people are depending on me to be this type of person that I don't know if I want to be, let alone, I think I can be. Yeah. I didn't know by inventing some piece of software that I would be dealing with people all day long. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> right. Or this, yeah. or this doodad or this doohickey. I didn't know by, you know, selling somebody this thing, this little gadget that improves their life but then now I would be dealing with people all day long and, and trauma and, um, you know, hard circumstances and relationships and all of that kind of stuff. And, and so that's, you know, obviously that's where we get to come in and really help people show up as powerful leaders. And when we say leaders, what we're really pointing to is even the work that we do, which is coaching. Yeah. So how do we, how do Adrian, how do you boil down I think this is a good place to start. How do you define coaching for you? How do I define coaching for me? Um, well, it depends on what domain I'm thinking about it through first off. So what are some consistents through all domains? Okay. Um, coaching. So the, I'll talk, first principles first. So the, the, the essence or the, the uh, situation that requires a coach is usually there is a need for um, higher level thinking, more strategic thinking um, uh, and more engagement. So it's like, it's this already this kind of paradoxical idea, like are the ideas high enough and is the, are the interventions low enough? So, and like, am I clear? Is there some kind of aim? Cause if you don't have an aim, you don't need to coach. And I've had lots of that conversations. People come, people come to me as a coach, but they aren't clear about what they want, nor are they willing to get clear about what they want. And I say, <laughs> don't work with me. I'm, I'm, a, I'm the biggest pain in the ass. Yep. I'm going to keep asking that same question. Every We're going to go nowhere. Time. We're going nowhere. Um, and then they just try to like collect insight instead of get somewhere new. So across all domains, it's what's the new that's worth disciplining myself for. And I was going to say the word suffering. Uh, I really mean that. Um, but it's from a tactical perspective, it's what's the new that's worth disciplining myself for. And I discipline myself internally and I discipline myself externally, you know, get really hyper intentional about um, how I'm behaving in the world and how I'm engaging other people, but I can't do that until I get a hold of my own machinery and, and, and put some clarity and conviction and guardrails around how I'm managing myself. So, you know, coaching is both an internal game and external game in that way, but, um, and, and discipline, discipline means restraint. Discipline means doing something that's needed. That's usually outside of what I want to do. Um, 
you know, i.e. usually convenient or even in my skill set, quote unquote, I actually need to do something that I feel uncomfortable doing. So it's also requires taking on a lot of vulnerability mm. and back to back to the example is, you know, very talented people build organizations and they no longer get to do what they're talented at doing. And they now have to do this other thing called leadership. And it's much more vulnerable and that's why they resist it a lot. And that's why they end up becoming a maniac and acting mm. like one because they resist what's needed in the position they've, that they have persisted in. Some people can start a company and then step out and hire quality people. Most for most of us, it's very personal. So it's my thing. It's my baby. And so I'm the mom, I'm the dad, I'm, you know, I'm responsible. And um, they don't want to give up the role for fear of lack of control, lack of purpose. Who would I be now? You know, what's this idiot going to do with it or whatever. And due to that, they end up staying in a position that keeps them very vulnerable and, and, and reactive. And they settle for that instead of putting themselves in through a process that will actually mature themselves, mature themselves in you know, skill set, mature themselves in mindset, mature themselves in interpersonal skills, um, you know, mature themselves in uh, intellectual knowledge, all that kind of stuff, you know, and that's all for, for successful folks trying something new, doing something new, scaling something is they're going to fail a lot more than they'd be, than they'd like to fail. So a great coach integrates failure into success. Mm -hmm. The aim you mentioned the aim, and that's so important. I think that's one, <clears throat> that's one key component. It's not a component of coaching. It's not necessarily your coach can give you your aim. In fact, they can't, a good coach won't, you yeah. will proclaim your aim. Yeah. And then they will get as committed to it, or if not more committed to that aim and, and having it turn out the way you say you want it to turn out. Sure. And the reason I say more committed is because they then need to be in a position or, or need to be there. They have the opportunity to be in a, in a position to stay focused and committed to that. Even when you aren't. Yeah. Or your commitment yeah. wanes or your commitment fades a little bit. They're there to remind you of your commitment and ask questions that might be able to allow that, that vigor, that vitality for your aim to come back. Yeah. Well, the aim is this big, the aim itself has a purpose to it um, in the coaching context. So the aim gives what we call context. Mm -hmm. it's, it, it is the filter by which we're going to look at everything else. You know, so I just started going back to the gym and if my aim was to make it to an arena football league quarterback position, then I'm failing, but I'm not aiming at that. I'm aiming right. at getting up in the morning, starting my day strong, feeling fit. Oh, then what I'm doing actually is perfect for that. But when and I'm looking doing good in your wedding suit and looking good in my wedding suit, man, take That's it to right. the bank, baby. That's take right. it to the bank. Um, so yeah, feeling confident. That's why I go work out. So great. That's my aim. And I'm doing exactly what I need to fit that aim. If I had a different aim, then, I, then I'm not doing enough, or maybe I'm doing too much, you know, like, you know, I'm sore right now. So 
if I had a lower aim then no, I also don't want to be sore at all, you know, so that wouldn't even make sense. You know, I'd be overdoing it. And that's, so the aim yeah. sets the context. It sets the uh, parameters by which we're going to make meaning of all the action or all the strategic yeah. inaction, all the things we talk about, all the things we decide not to focus on, you know, so that's you, really can, important. Can you talk for a second? I'm really interested in this idea of commitment to the aim. Cause if we put this in the context of a team of a business, right? Most people have a team and, and they brought them on thinking that they came to get a paycheck. Now, some, there's some outliers where they're, they're filtering for people who like really believe in the mission, but -hmm. for the most part, they're looking at qualifications. Do they fit the bill? Do they have the education? Do they have the experience that we, that we're looking for? Okay. They match. And can we agree on a price to pay them? Great. They're coming for a paycheck. That's not a buy-in to an aim, at least not one that, um, that is meaningful for a group of people to produce something together. So even as we talk about aim and and we're putting coaching in the, in the context of owning a business, right. Or, or being a leader on a team, talk about the buy-in to the aim that has to happen in order for there to even be some coaching possible. Yeah. Well, most people hire um, either to take advantage of an opportunity or to generate relief. And a lot of people that are building a business are really looking for relief. They wouldn't ever say it that way. Um, or they'd rarely say it that way, but usually they're looking for a shift in their own mood. Um, meaning like, or what the work feels like for them. So if I bring this person in, I'm going to, we say things like, I'm going to get this stuff off my plate, um, which is usually I'm going to be doing less and I'm going to have this sensation of having more time and energy. Like that's kind of what we're buying. And therefore, most folks are looking for a, especially in this day and age, they're looking for anybody that's good enough that will check the boxes to justify paying them X amount of dollars. Mm. Um, And so they're looking to kind of buy the skill set instead of finding a person, I think to your point, that is committed to the same thing I'm committed to. And that takes a very different type of conversation. It takes a non-lazy interview process. There's plenty of lazy interview processes where we're just kind of talking about resume. It's kind of a bullshit conversation. They've got their, their story already articulated, ready to go. You've got your kind of canned questions and you're just looking to check the box. Are they good enough? Instead of like really getting in and seeing where there's aligned interests and seeing where, and then the really gutsy move is seeing where there's misaligned interests. And can we talk about those now instead of seeing those in results later? And most people don't do that because we're all overwhelmed and blah, blah, blah. So we don't, or we're just unwilling to have the real conversation. So we don't, and then we pay for it later. You know? So, I mean, the, the word that comes to mind is really being unapologetically committed to something. Like if I am as the leader, if I'm like unapologetically committed to something, um, unapologetic, like, uh, I pause on that. Cause it's like, uh, most folks, I mean, everybody really wants to be liked. So they don't want to come off like too much or be too heavy handed or scare away a talented person or be seen as a micromanager or all that stuff. Um, and then they give up on the true conviction uh, and they give up on the conviction because they get disconnected from um really what would make it worth it, whether it's in results, financial, or it's in like 
you know, if someone's looking to sell a business in three years, like they might loosen up that, oh, we're looking for, they might say three to five years. And all of a sudden they've invited somebody else into a five-year conversation and they really mean a three-year conversation. Yeah. So they don't offend them. Yeah. They don't, or or yeah. another place is people development. They miss okay. they miss the opportunity in people development it, at this point too. If you're if you're worried about people liking you or how they think of you, what they think of you, you're gonna miss so many opportunities to to be a coach, like to coach them, to to work on some development that matters. Yep. Yeah. Oh, and and I mean even for people that are listening, they might be like, hold on, what are we doing here? You, we, you think I signed up to be a coach as a leader? <laughs> um, and most people, you know, point of this most, conversation, by the way, that's the point. The point is like, if even if all these conversations are a little too much, it's probably because you haven't tried on the, um, for fear of the downsides of being a coach of thinking of leadership as a coach, like, I don't want people calling me. I don't want to really having more conflict. I don't want to have to deal with more stuff. I don't want to have to have all these conversations. I don't want to, you know, we, we definitely look at all the potential downsides. If we stepped into leadership as a coach, we don't look at the potential upsides. Um, you know, so that's kind of the invitation of this conversation is what's is what's more possible in, if we're talking specifically about bringing people in. Yeah. Um, what's more, what is, what is really possible um, from a, from how do I save? Cause you could really save money if you have all the conversations up front and you can save time. If you have all the conversations up front, most folks don't do that math cause they're just looking to check a box. Yeah. Um, but if you did, um, there's just more richness and in, in the connection that's there. And at, and we say all results come out of an interpersonal dynamic. So, how anybody on my team is performing, I say is hundred percent connected to the conversation that exists between that person and myself. Conversation that exists. I mean, the nature of the relationship, how honest are we? How much do we talk about stuff? Do they come to me when something's a, a two out of 10 problem or they wait till it's a seven out of 10 problem? Do they um, give me feedback? Do they think I'm open and, 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 uh, adaptable and listening to them? Or am I just there to use them to get the thing done? You know, it's like, that's the, when I say the conversation between, I mean, all that, that stuff that's either defined intentionally, or it's just left to humanity to define it. Meaning like we've just got natural, um, survivalist techniques that are going to show up everywhere in life, including that. You know, so I have to look good to my boss. I have to hide my problems. I have to, I want to, he, his job or her job is to make me feel good all the time. You know, are they overstepping into my lane? Are they micromanaging me, which is a control question? You know, are they questioning me? Are they doubting my strategy? That's am I right question? You know, all these are, you know, if I don't craft a specific conversation, which a coach will do, then I'm going to be left to avoid and, uh, and, and nature abhors avoids, they're going to make up something about that, about that gap. And it's probably going to be historic. So you're not even there. Your their old boss is there. They're, they're talking to you, but they're thinking about that old boss and they want to make sure you're not them. Yeah. Yeah. Makes sense. So I want to, I want to bring this dynamic into it. Cause we, um, we run this training called intrepid or well, Dan and you run this training called intrepid. Um, and it's the Academy for effective leadership. Yeah, really. I mean, if, if we're honest about this training, it got its roots, it was called the coaching Academy. Yeah. 
right? And, and we started thinking about, well, how do we develop? And I'm sure there's some tweaks to the training for sure to, to be really applicable to those who are in leadership in the corporate setting or the, or the company setting. Um, but we started thinking like, how do we take this, what happens in this uh, training in leaders, the, the, the leadership that comes out of people that go through this training, how do we take this and put it into the, to the corporate setting or the business setting? And the translation was almost one-to-one. Yeah. I mean, it was just like, oh, wow, this is exactly what we're doing. And um, talk a little bit about the principles or what the foundation of that training is, because I think that is going to bring um, some good, you know, some good points up to chat about, about what, why are we talking about leaders being coaches, right? So what is, what is the base or the, the theory or philosophy behind that training? Yeah. Well, I think when we called it the Coaches Academy or Master Coaches Academy or all the different iterations, we usually disappointed people anyway, <laughs> because they were coming in to like learn. They thought they were learning how to build a coaching company. And if you know us, we're going to train you how to be a coach. And, and if you do that well, you'll naturally generate a coaching company if you yeah. wanted to. Yeah. Um, so we would typically disappoint most folks. Um, and I went through that as a, I was an executive director of a multi-million dollar foundation at the time. And I just wanted to get, but I, I came in to get better at my job because I was having high leverage conversations around a lot of zeros. And I wanted to get the real conversation to the table as quickly as possible and generate the type of relationship with the nonprofit leaders I was giving to at the time that would generate new results out there in the world. Mm-hmm. And so I came in much more aligned naturally with the people that come to Intrepid now, which is like, how do I be more effective at what I'm doing now? Mm-hmm. So anyway, I, I, the shift is more natural and it's much more effective. So it's, we, it's built for folks that know that they've, they've, they haven't even gotten close to finding their own personal capacity. And I'm not talking about time. I'm talking about what's possible for them and how rich their impact could be both in the current moment and in all the future moments. It's a legacy conversation as well. Like how much of an impact do you want to have on people's lives around you? And that might be from revenue that might be from size of company that might be from number of clients or number of uh, employees or whatever. It also just might be the impact you make in the world or I'm really effective at leading a company. I'm really shitty at leading a family. How do I integrate these things? Mm-hmm. You know, so, so, you know, we, when we come to it for us, as we've already begun, effective leadership and some of the principles around coaching come from seeing kind of three essential focal points. We've talked about the first one, which is being unapologetically committed to generating new results. Um, and depending on the domain you're looking at in life, some of those are very easy to get very, uh, pragmatic about. And some of those are more philosophical and more squishy, if you will, or more person-based or more even emotional. Um, so, but getting connected to results, that's, um, being willing to be committed to results unapologetically is one of the domains. The other domain is like, how do I lead other people, um, uh, with effectiveness and with efficiency? And how do I lead them? What's missing? What do I, how do I craft the right conversation so that performance comes out of it and connection? Um, 
And the other side, which is usually the least explored is how do I lead myself? You know, how do I actually put myself through a process where I'm an evolving person? Because a lot of people, when they think about leadership, they think that leadership is leading us others instead of getting a holistic view of leadership where leadership is always a 360 degree view. And at least 50% of it is about how am I leading myself? And am I connected to myself? And am I, am I conscious of my own personal challenges? Am I conscious of the places in my life where I'm kind of resigned? And that's when I say resigned, I mean, we say things like, this is who I am. Any kind of, this is who I am stories are usually where where I'm resigned because they're usually like something I've settled for something that's socially acceptable. Like, um, Adrian's really can, can be, um, a real blunt asshole, real blunt <laughs> asshole. And it's like, Oh, that's just who I am. Just my you personality. Know, just my personality. Take your leave it. Well, I, I mean, it's sometimes what I need to be is a blunt asshole, but rarely yeah. do I need to be a blunt asshole. So right. am I, am I conscious of what's going on for me? So I can bring to the table what's needed in order to do those two other those two other domains, which is leading other people well and getting to the results. So we have this very holistic view about, if, I mean, and you can picture now, you know, generating, generating results, leading others well, leading yourself impeccably, mastering yourself, if you will. In the middle of that Venn diagram is what we call effective leadership. So we have an yeah. eye on all three simultaneously. Um, so that's, that's, the, that's the aim of the work. And everybody's got some pain in one of those three domains, if not all of them. And, you yeah. know, we're recording this, um, you know, in the middle of the week, you, you, if you hit me up tomorrow, I've got m- different things happening in different domains, you know, yeah, it's man. just always yeah. a moving target and how much am I willing to be connected to current reality enough and know where I need to, where I need to spend my aim on a certain day or in a certain hour or in a certain conversation. Um, so having awareness and then being able to employ the right type of action to generate new results is the, is the kind of the big meta conversation that's going on throughout the training itself. It's powerful, man. These three, these um, integrating these three has just, I mean, that was a life-changing experience for me um, going through Intrepid and having that opportunity. I want to talk a, just a minute about feedback because I think we can't really have a conversation about coaching, um, or, or the context of coaching and leadership without talking about feedback. We talk about feedback a lot on this, on this podcast. And there's a reason for that. Um, and even intrepid, even the training that is three months long or two months long, whatever it is, um, there is built in, uh, powerful opportunities for feedback. Like you have never, I promise you, like you have never experienced before. And it's very purposeful. What role, Adrian, what role for you, what role does feedback play in um, approaching our leadership from a coaching, um, from a coaching perspective or a coaching intention? Yeah. Well, I would say, you know, my, my relationship to feedback is going to, um, is, is what we're looking for is what's my relationship to feedback. And then that, that might be lost on people what I mean. So let me explain that for a second. Um, if I've got a dogmatic view about myself, meaning I think I'm clear and I think I'm, I'm the master of my own definition and who I am, then my world gets really small. 
Um, And then people are, anybody that doesn't agree with me is a threat. And any conversation that might upend that version of myself, I will avoid it. So what people don't usually have is an eagerness for feedback. And why do we do that? Because we think intention drives the day. Like what you're committed to, why you're committed to it, and who you must become in order to deliver on it. That's what makes the world work. I'll add, and, I'll add to that to, com- to make it even a little more complex is conscious intention. Right we on. think conscious intention is what, is what drives us or what, what should matter. Right on. And, and, and where I was headed, which is to your point, is we all have a natural flattering view of ourselves. <laughs> we do. We have a yeah. natural flattering view of ourselves. That's, that's part of survival. It's part of being human and definitely part of culture um, is go look good, man. Welcome to the social media world. Go look good. If nothing yeah. else, look good doing it. Um, and we, we want to look at results and let results tell us what our intention were, what our intentions were. So we, we draw a straight line between intention and impact. So if I want to see my real intention, pay attention to my impact. Mm. And that might be on physical results in the universe. It might be on interpersonal results. And so that's why we have people give, give feedback about their experience of the person, mostly because none of us would like to have that. We'd like to stay in our own kind of glorious view of ourselves yes. and hoping that's enough to get it done. But if I become adaptable, like if I can integrate even the harshest of feedback, if I can listen to it, you know, I forget there's some kind of quote that I'm not going to be able to quote. Um, but this idea of, you know, if you can, you can learn from your fans, that's great. Um, and you will, and you'll be affirmed. But the idea that if I can really learn from people that occur to me as my enemies, mm-hmm. even, even if they're not, but if they occur to me, like they're not on my team, if I can listen to them and learn from them, then I'm really unstoppable because I can hear anything. And from a leader's perspective, we're all dying for our followers to listen to us, but we don't really listen to them. Well, usually. So I even a a client comes to mind right now of, you know, he was having, he's got two of his top performers. One's the largest grossing performer. Another one's like a rising star and the rising star was about to leave because the largest grossing performer financially it was uh, this person was just a mega bitch and just eating her up. And my invite to my client was, Hey, why don't you go have a conversation with this, with this high end performer and say, and get her feedback on what she thinks her impact is on her team. Go mm-hmm. ask her what she thinks it is. And then have her ask those same three questions in my leadership, what's working, what's not working and what's missing have her go ask those three questions of her, of the people that report to her and you pick them, you pick who they are simultaneously. He did that. It was so impactful. He did that with his team and his team. And this guy's a top performer. Um, his team said, you know, he's worked with people that have been in his industry for 30 plus years. He said, no leader has ever asked me what I thought about them. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden that opened up a whole new horizon of what's possible for this team. Mm -hmm. And they're reinventing themselves in this current market. They're reinventing themselves, but him going first and saying, Hey, cause he is, he's, he himself is one of the most impressive people I've ever met in this industry. One of the rising stars, 
um, one of the key voices in his industry. And him doing that with his team all of a sudden opened up a whole conversation. Now he can talk about things with them that he never did before because he's open to the feedback. He wants the feedback. So circling back to your question, why do we aim at that? First off, we don't want it. So we ought to go where we don't want. If you really want to grow, go where you don't want to go. Yeah. Um, listen for what you don't want to hear. Um, and then, you know, integrate all sorts of integrate all sorts of ideas that even you disagree with, listen to them, entertain them, wonder about them. It's going to generate the type of conversation on your team where people are actually listening to learn instead of listening, just to prove what they think they already know. I love it, man. There's so much richness there. So yeah. good. And you, you mentioned like in intrepid, I, I'm just going to keep bringing it back to there. Cause it's like this really beautiful microcosm of what we can cause in our, in our uh, organizations. And that's why I love, that's why I love the experience so much is like, not only do people give you feedback in this experience, but you're also in front of the camera a lot yeah. and you're rewatching it to give yourself feedback. Right. Which is one of the most uh, disturbing <laughs> and also powerful experiences that I've, that I've had. Um, because yeah. then I am watching that from a perspective of who I think I am, but also the, 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 the results that I think I'm causing compared to the results that I'm actually causing. And I'm seeing it happen right in front of me real time. Yeah. yeah. And if even Chad talking about that, if you're listening right now, Chad talking about that disturbs you, you're probably a great candidate for the intrepid. Right. Exactly. Yeah. That's what I'm yeah. saying. Especially if you're leading people and watching yourself uh, engage in some of these things um, on camera, if that, yeah, if that, if that brings anything up for you, that this is the perfect place to be. Sure. Cause just imagine, I mean, I, 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 you mentioning that brought me back to sports days for me. And a little bit of it, you know, I mean, I grew up playing a whole bunch of sports and we watch game game film all the time. And I'm watching yeah, myself. There's, I was being, that's the thing I think about, like I, we put it in the context of sports and yes, I get, it's a little tired to put all of this shit in sports analogies, but it's so like, why are we so willing to watch? There's, there's no escape from that, right? Yeah. There's no escape from your performance when you watch the tape. Yeah. Well, and you know, it's me. Well, why do we do it there? Because in sports, we're unapologetic, unapologetically committed to results, right? So we want to win and, yeah. you know, and, and how do I win? Oh shit. I better get better. Especially yeah. if I'm in a team, I want to get better. I want to critique myself for the purpose of getting better for the purpose of being more effective for the purpose of having more ease for the purpose of saving energy. But right. in life, we don't think about it that way. And so it all gets really touchy and you know, the types of people that come to Intrepid have their shit together. They do. They're yeah. effective out there in the world, like at some level, usually much higher than most folks. Yep. And I've probably said on this podcast before, but most of the folks that we talk about are involved in our, especially these kind of deep dive programs, their, their seven out of 10 is better than most people's 10 out of 10. Mm -hmm. So they get by with a lot, but they're haunted by the three clicks between seven and 10. You know, yeah. we all know, I know when I haven't effectively brought my best self to the table, right. I know it, but, yeah. but some people don't, right. Cause I can fool them or it's whatever. And, but I know, and I'm not, and I just know for me, I'm not done always going for the 10. 
and some, some days I'm tired and some days, blah, blah, blah. But as a, as a, as an overarching commitment, as my life, I really want to be a 10 out of 10 dad. I really want to be a 10 out of 10 husband. I really want to be a 10 out of 10 coworker. I really want to be like that. Like that's, those are commitments for me and I'll do whatever it takes. And even when I'm feel misunderstood or even when I want somebody else to give me credit or give me some grace, um, I'm not done aiming myself mm-hmm. at maximum impact. Mm-hmm. And I say that like, it's true all the time. It's not true all the time. I'm tired on some days and, but that's no matter what, I'm going to keep getting up and asking myself what's going to make the most meaningful life. And for me, that's it. Aiming at life, aiming at vitality, aiming at being spent you know, by the end of the whole thing, you know, fast forward, what am I? 40, whatever, 50 years from now, I want to be spent. Mm-hmm. I want to be spent. I want to say, oh shit, he gave it all. He did it all. And that doesn't have to be that tiring. It can be the most energizing question. And so we invite folks that are into that type of question. Um, And we love people more than any other company that does this stuff that I know. So it's not like anybody should be doing something. Anybody has to do something. There's never any wrong, bad, or broken with anybody doing anything. We're very acquainted with our humanity. And so it's a, it's an advocate role um, mm-hmm. that we take on inside the Intrepid. We're advocating for what's possible for people, which is a model of what great coaching uh, leaders as coaches do. It's just, it's a, it's an advocate role, wanting what people want for themselves yeah, and then fighting for them. So what used to feel like a critiquing conversation is actually a championing conversation. And that feels a whole lot better, both from the sending perspective and from the receiving perspective, like, Oh shit, my boss loves me. Yeah. He wants the he or she, they want the best for me. You walk out of like quote unquote, difficult conversation, energized. Like, wow. Yeah. yeah. This person has got my back. And you know, if some of the pain points that are happening for culture now is you know, retaining top talent. How do I retain top talent? How do I retain top thinkers? Well, you better believe in people and respect them enough that they can go anywhere they want to go whenever they want to. And as soon as they think they're going to get their needs met somewhere else, they're going to go. And if you don't know how close somebody is for leaving, they're probably already halfway out the door. Yeah. So that's either an intentional conversation or it's a, I hope they don't leave conversation. You know, I'm always asking like who, who my clients, well, is she a flight risk? And, and anybody that says, well, I don't think she is. I'm like, well, you, you want to go find out, man, <laughs> you better go find out, you know? Yeah. I think something we could do is, um, really start this movement where we stop talking about how to retain top talent and how to love people. Amen. <laughs> that's right. Cause that's how you retain them. You're like, that's give a right. shit. <laughs> yes. You give a shit about who they are as a person. You really yeah. decide to care. I really, it's not, I mean, I think people love to make those work and like personal yeah. work distinctions because it feels like if I get connected to the person of the person, like who they are, what they're up to, their family life, it's just too much drama. No, man, it's the fuel. It's yeah. always the fuel. Yep. And, I, and the other folks, other folks that make those distinctions, they're kind of dangerous. I want those things to be really tightly linked. 
Um, and it actually decreases drama because if you only focus on the professional and not the personal, the personal stuff's going to come out, but it's going to come out sideways. So when they're having a hard time, they're not going to talk about it. If they're going through a personal transition, they're not going to talk about it. It's just going to come out passive aggressively in a leadership meeting. But if you can, if you've already set up the context, say, Hey, well, we're talking about how we're really doing here. And by the way, if you're having a hard time, this is when you talk about it. We just, you know, we're, we're really connected here. Then people can vent that stuff and move on. People can bring that stuff to the table and support comes. People get closer instead of just, I hope they don't bring their crap here because they <laughs> are, they can't not. Yep. It's so, there. Anyway. Can you tell I'm passionate about this? Yeah, just a little bit. This is good, man. There's so much here. This could, I yeah. mean, this could be an entire couple months worth of series of like this, the, the leadership in the context of coaching. So thank you so much for bringing it. We didn't, I mean, we barely even scratched the surface. Yeah. Um, um, but I guess that's what the beauty of this venue is, right? We get to keep going. Yeah. So um, yeah. thanks. Thanks so much, man. I really appreciate the conversation. Yeah, man. I, I, I thank you for bringing it up. And, um, I mean, if I were to, I'm always compelled to talk to talk to folks that are actually listening right now. Yeah. Um, and you know, if I'm, so I'm talking to you, if you're listening and just inviting you not to come to the thing, you don't have to come to the thing. Um, but I'm inviting you to wonder how good it could get. And, you know, we've come through so much like social change and, and lots of hard times and lots of holding on, waiting for a better tomorrow, which is what most people are going to do instead of how do I show up to generate the type of tomorrow I want to live in? Mm -hmm. And that's really one of the core questions underneath this. And we'll fight with you. I promise you. We'll fight yep. with you. Um, so yeah. Exactly. Well, that's, that's a beautiful, big invitation. And then I'll also make the specific invitation, get to intrepid. If you don't, yeah. have, <laughs> if you don't have something like this in your life, in your leadership, if you don't have a group of human beings fighting for your humanity, both in your position, in your company and in your life, be at this table. I, I walked away from this experience, um, feeling like I had not even feeling like the, the evidence is there. The results are there. I have 17 high powered driving human beings just would do anything for me and for my success and what I say I'm committed to. And that yeah. was, that was a beautiful experience. And what you're going to do is you're going to take that and model it in your company and then magic happens. Right on. Right. Right on. Thanks brother. Yeah. Yeah, you got it, man. Leadership.takenewground.com. I know you'll all link all that shit in. Yep. That's where we put go. First link in the or in the you know description thing. All right. Bye-bye, everybody. Later. my friends, thank you so much for listening to yet another conversation on the Naked Leadership Podcast. Your listenership and commitment to the podcast means the world to us. If this podcast or these conversations has helped or inspired you in any way, would you mind going to Apple Podcasts and leaving a five-star rating and a glowing review? 
This helps us grow the movement and reach more leaders and teams. Finally, the greatest compliment that you can give us is sharing the podcast with your teams and the other leaders in your life. Until next week, bye-bye everybody.